재미와 지식의 오디오라이프 팝빵 Every week we get to know somebody cool and we've got a real good get this week. She is an Australian specialist in Korean traditional alcohol. She has been at it for a long time. It started as a little bit of a hobby. Now it has blossomed into a fully-fledged company called the Sul Company. Sul meaning alcohol in Korean, of course. She's got her head around the history, the science, and she not only makes top-shelf traditional brews, but she educates on the art of Korean brewing, and she's very good at promoting Korean brewing as well. We're going to go way beyond the plastic bottles that you find at the Pyeonghaejum with Australia's Julia Miller. Hi, Julia. Hi. Good morning, Kit. It is a real pleasure to see you. You're kind of the OG in the Makkali space <laughs> in a way, aren't you? There's not a lot of us, so yes, <laughs> I'm well, one of them. I, I say that because it's um, Makkali uh, is something that really catches fire with expats for some reason. A whole bunch of expats are getting interested in... It almost has the same cachet as like uh, bread baking. It does. You know, uh, I think when you first arrive here and you have your first drinking experience, uh, particularly makgeolli, yes. it's a different feeling. It's a different texture to anything else that you've had before. Yes. Uh, but then when you start to get into how it's made, it is kind of like baking bread or cooking something uh, in your kitchen as opposed to buying some specialized equipment and being very scientific about it. So I think that's really appealing to a lot of people. It's got enormous hipster cred the way sort of artisanal bread baking does because you're, you're harnessing all of those sort of forces of nature and fermentation and you have a result at the end. You can say, look what I did. That's right. It's very, uh, it's, it's quite fulfilling to then filter out your fresh, hard work, hard earned uh, alcohol after you You've spent all those hours laboring over a hot stove and, uh, yeah. and then you've got the results at the end. So it's pretty, it's an exciting hobby to have. So lots of folks are just stepping off the plane, train, automobile in the Pyeongchang Olympic area. Mm-hmm. Athletes, visitors, delegates, they've got no idea what necessarily what makgeolli is. Let's right. break it down very 101. Very 101. Uh, it is made of rice. Basically, all Korean alcohol is made with three ingredients, rice, water, and a unique fermentation starter called nuruk. Uh, and nuruk is really what distinguishes it from other Southeast Asian alcohols that are made with rice. But really what makes the difference is that makgeolli is with all of the rice sediment left in it, but mm. with uh, about 50% water added. So it's a lower alcohol percentage to some of say sake or different kinds of uh, rice based alcohols so it's about six to seven percent it can generally be a bit fizzy a bit carbonated uh, and slightly sour depending on your recipe mm. uh, but it is a very uh, kind of refreshing drink many people drink it when they've gone hiking or when they've done some kind of physical exertion it's very drinkable in that sense and and be careful because it can be almost too drinkable <laughs> a little if bit you're having your first <laughs> experience with it just uh tap the brakes every now and then definitely um that nuruk that mm. you mentioned sort of that initial stage it is almost like a sourdough uh you know you can knead it you're supposed to knead it right yes you are yes it's very rough and ready so i mean it's a little different from sourdough you can reuse your mother when you uh, when you make sourdough nuruk you do have to use a fresh batch every time but it's got a real wild quality basically the biggest difference between uh, other uh, southeast asian alcohols is that nuruk is a wild fermentation starter so that means whatever was in the air at the time that it was being fermented there that will inoculate and that will give it that special characteristic so mm. 
it's a beast that cannot be tamed uh, and every batch that you make at home is going to come out wildly different mm. uh, and to be honest that's what I love about it it has this rough and ready character uh, but also a really refined and complex palette mm. uh, and you can make it very simply but it can take years to master uh, all of the the variables that go into making a really beautiful kind of alcohol you can hear the passion with which you talk about makole I think perhaps this is the ingredient that uh, the expat community people like yourself bring to the whole makole front Koreans as a whole, we're talking in general, not the makgeolli brewers, mm-hmm. but they tend to kind of underestimate makgeolli, don't they? It has been known to happen. And I will say, I've been doing this for about five or six years now. Uh, I have seen a marked shift in uh, the way that most people, especially Korean people, are looking at makgeolli. But it has a long history as being regarded as something that's easily accessible and generally cheap and of low quality. Uh, but with the rise of small artisan brewers and uh, a, a, a great increase in cuisine and the idea of pairing different kinds of not just makgeolli, but chongju and soju and different kinds of Korean alcohol, you're starting to see a slow shift in the dynamic where people are sort of looking at Muckley and thinking, oh, actually, it's, it can be something of great craft. Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't have to be just your peony jump style. Uh, so I think expats don't have that bias or that... Um, yeah. We didn't grow up knowing that it was going to be a cheap drink. They're coming drink. without received ideas about makgeolli. Exactly. You yeah. can have a fresh slate. Uh, and when you're just entering into the world and if you start knowing that it is something that is beautiful and can be crafted well, then your eyes are, are basically open to the, the world of potential and possibility. Mm. Are you a stickler about how to translate makgeolli? Do you? Because oftentimes it's <laughs> rice wine. They say. <sighs> yes, uh, I am a little bit of a stickler on this because it's not rice wine, and it, similarly, it's not rice beer either. There's okay. very different uh, issues with the nomenclature of how we describe makgeolli, uh, and basically, what we have come up with at the Soul Company is that we should stop trying to describe it and just call it. Makgeolli. In the same way that many other now iconic drinks are just regarded as sake. Even though we do generally sometimes do describe sake as rice wine, it also is not a wine. Uh, But if you say sake, you can immediately know what I'm talking about. And we're trying to go down the route that makgeolli should reach that same kind of level. Let's presume a makgeolli of sort of mid-range flavor. It's it's white in color. Mm -hmm. It's got that little tiny element of fizz and sour uh, what kind of menu should you pair that with, do you think? It's, there's so much potential. Uh, usually, traditionally, we would pair it with pajan, of course. Mm. Uh, when it's raining, you'll find that all the, the pajan houses are full uh, because it has that comforting effect to uh, generally a Korean population. But I love to pair makgeolli with different kinds of cuisines. I actually really love makgeolli with Mexican food. Uh, Ooh, that's interesting. It is interesting because, and it was a total fluke. I just was eating, I made Mexican at home. I'm not a big connoisseur, but had some makgeolli in the fridge and I just tried it. And it was really playing on those meaty uh, mm-hmm. sort of savory notes, but mm-hmm. the jalapenos and the spice actually mimic a lot of Korean dishes. So there's some elements, especially with the cheese, you think of, you know, cheesy kimchi padon, 
you can get sort of a similar a similar feel or a similar match of all those textures and flavors with makli uh, in Mexican food. But I generally say don't limit yourself. Mm. Uh, I think the potential for sushi right now is that it doesn't need to be put in a box. Uh, sushi and sake go together exponentially well, but it tends to only be put into that box. You only drink sake if you're having Japanese food. Yeah. But I tend to think that Korean sushi has so much more potential. Uh, so if you're cooking at home, consider instead of a bottle of wine, grab a bottle of makgeolli and just see how it plays out. You, we should uh, throw you a little bit of uh, accolades here. You just won your company won uh, an award for excellence in food, beverage, and agriculture from the Australian Chamber of Commerce. Um, that must feel good. <laughs> uh, yeah, it does. Actually, <laughs> we were very surprised. Very, very surprised. A lot of Australian businesses here, and a lot of wine. A lot of Australian wine. So, in a way, yes. you're kind of up against uh, the big boys in that sense. We're up against the big boys for a lot of things. Yeah. Uh, generally, this award category. I mean, we're up against companies that were very large conglomerates and have been around for quite a long time, and we're still quite small uh, comparatively in in that sense. Uh, but I think the the point of these awards. Especially from uh, the Australian Chamber of Commerce, is fostering relations between Australia and Korea. Uh, and one of the things that we really want to uh, promote and to nurture is this idea that we would like to support the local Korean uh, alcohol industry. So it's not just that we're making it and we're uh, sort of selling tours and things like that. We really want to see a change in the domestic industry, and mm. I think that's kind of why uh, we fit in well with the food and agriculture. Part of this award, yeah. I mean, you you are not a brewing conglomerate. No, uh, we're brewing not. <laughs> makgeolli is not your bottom line. So it's in in a way, it's a little bit of a software or education company, right? It is. Yes, you create makgeolli experiences. We do, and that goes from just about anything. We can we do tasting experiences. We do consulting for people that are interested in opening breweries over, around the world. Uh, we uh, do home brewing. We basically say that we are the the number one resource for anything you would like to. Know about Korean sushi, so we're constantly updating ourselves, uh, keeping current in the market, but being aware that this is still such a very new, uh, a new industry, but has much potential both domestically and abroad. That global thing sounds exciting. It You're is basically exciting. codifying. Uh, the 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 sort of art and lore of brewing makgeolli and creating something that can be transplanted, God knows where, Kazakhstan or exactly. wherever. Yes. Um, because makgeolli, it's not something you can just kind of throw in a bottle and put in a shipping container halfway around the world. It has to be local, right? It has to be local. And this is the unique thing about Korean alcohol, especially makgeolli. Soju is a little different because it's distilled and it can be shipped anywhere in the world. But for makgeolli and Chongju, they're unpasteurized and they're best enjoyed unpasteurized. So the concept being that it was always intended to be drunk locally, mm. close to the source. So the two things here, it's a tourist dream for Korea because it means that truly the only only good quality uh, sort of that you can get is in Korea and close to where the brewery w- produced it. But at the same token, if Korean alcohol is to become global, it does need to be produced uh, overseas or mm. it does need to be produced locally. Exports just aren't going to do the drink any favors. Uh, and there is immense interest right now, especially in the US, uh, in North America, they're starting to see the seeds of movement uh, into producing it locally in the US. Oh, wow. Can you imagine? I mean, you guys will be billionaires no. if, <laughs> if, if, if Makuli scales in the United States the way craft beer did. Ooh, 
you guys can write your ticket. I think uh, that's that's the concept. Is America is a craft nation, and there are so many beer breweries that they're looking for something new. Mm. What is the next thing? And uh, I do believe that Muckley could be it. It could be it. It's weird because I mean, other countries have rice. Mm-hmm. Other countries have bacteria in the air. Other (laughs) countries know the concept of fermentation. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's always fascinating to me that makgeolli caught on so strongly in only Korea, seemingly, and not other places. And that's uh, that also piqued my interest. Uh, but when I started diving more deeply into this and I started, I, I mean, a lot of my students for the brewing classes are from Singapore, Malaysia, uh, different kinds of Asian countries. And the first thing I always ask is, do you have any traditional alcohol in your home? Uh, because this was a technique that was produced in everyone's home. And there, you'd be surprised. There are actually a lot of traditional alcohols that mimic makgeolli. They do have a sort of turbid texture. They are fermented from rice, but it never caught on commercially. Uh, it is something that their grandmother and their mother would produce in the home, but it wasn't something that was Mm. stable enough to put on a shelf or that people would uh, tend to purchase. So I think that Korea is unique in that way because... As I said, not just makgeolli, but also tongju and other kinds of alcohol, they all come from a very similar process, but we tend to bottle them and sell them commercially in all of their many forms, Mm. uh, which is very interesting to me. Just to kind of extend the bread baking metaphor, if you, you know are an average person and you turned to the Sewell Company for education, you've got various boot camps in how to make your own makgeolli. <laughs> uh, could you scale it down to the household level in the same way that somebody can bake their own bread all the time? Could you make your own makgeolli supply? A hundred percent. And I do. You do? <laughs> Definitely. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've had students that have gotten so uh, so excited about brewing that they actually had to purchase a second fridge uh, because the, <laughs> the house was <laughs> just filled fridge. with so much makgeolli that there is just no room for food anymore. Uh, it is first and foremost a technique that was done in the home. So once you do learn those basic techniques, then you can basically supply yourself with endless amounts of different kinds. And you are limited only by your creativity. You can uh, basically manipulate the recipe to your tastes, whether you like dry or sweet or sour, uh, or you can add fruits and flowers and infusions. The sky is most definitely the limit. Have you got Olympic fever? Oh, of course. Of why course, are you of here? Why, why, don't, why are you... Good um, question. I'm actually going tomorrow. <laughs> you should be out there promoting your... Uh, you're going out there tomorrow. I will be going out there this weekend, uh, but on, on on a different assignment, actually, on a kimchi assignment, believe it or not. Really? Uh, but yes, we are actually focusing uh, on all of our programs are Seoul-based, because what we've discovered with the Olympics is there are quite a lot of tourists that are staying in Seoul uh, and taking the train out regularly to commuting the Olympics, out. commuting out. So it's a bit difficult for us to operate certain things uh out in Kangdung at the moment. As you could hear before uh, with Jennifer, it's pretty busy out there. Yeah. So there's not, not a lot of space. Cold. Not to mention chilly. I've been reading a lot of uh, <laughs> lot of quite shocking news and weather reports. People tend to get tunnel vision when they go to the, the Olympics. They, they don't, do. You know, they want to go to the games. They want to go home, get their gay. They don't necessarily want to, um, you know, do a lot of peripheral Play around, stuff. exactly. Yeah. So what we've noticed is that we uh, probably will be expecting an influx of people looking for things to do after the Olympics. Yeah. Uh, so when everybody's still riding high of having a wonderful time, they'll want to get their soul on. Get their soul on. Ooh. You know, that's a good slogan. <laughs> that's just, that, that was the first time t-shirt. those words have come out of my mouth. <laughs> get your soul on. Get your soul on. S-O-O-L. Yeah. Um, you guys are doing a great job. You still work with that Scottish rascal. I do work with that Scottish rascal, yes. Uh, Dan McLaughlin. Dan McLaughlin. You kind of uh, partners in crime <laughs> from the very beginning. We were. Um, Korea doesn't always do the best job converting its um, its cultural 
capital into experiences yes. that the world can enjoy and that even other Koreans can enjoy. Absolutely. Everybody kind of takes it for granted that, oh, yeah, whatever, the culture is there. Right. But they don't produce it in a way that, uh, you know, a visitor can consume it in a compelling way. Yes. And there is, it's an authenticity issue. Uh, I do think that a lot of the, the cultural programs c- offered can be a little too surface steep. Mm. Uh, it's more of an image-based thing. Put on, a, on hanbok a hanbok. And, <laughs> yeah, oh, look, we had exactly the same idea. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which, to be honest, and Dan and I, we talked about this a lot, we personally are not into that. And that's why the way that we've designed the company is about what would we enjoy? Uh, and for me, definitely what really engaged me from the very beginning in this industry is the stories. Ah. It's the stories about the breweries. It's the stories about the history, the culture. Why is it that we are inundated with cheap makgeolli when there's actually something that is so beautiful uh, just lying underneath the surface? All these things put together, I find it fascinating. Uh, And whenever we do our tours or our classes or anything, there is a heavy element of bringing those cultural aspects to it that we initially found interesting. Has anybody approached you about doing a makgeolli documentary? Um, yes, a lot of times, yeah. actually. Of people, a correct. lot of times. We've, and we've done a couple of, you know, things here and there, but uh, just put it on the list of things to do. We're a small company with not a lot of staff. <laughs> well, I think, yeah, the story of, uh, you know, we wouldn't necessarily name the company, but your sort of uh, journey into mm-hmm. the world of Makkali would make an awfully compelling uh, documentary. And you know there's that um, streaming provider that's hoovering up oh, yes. food and alcohol <laughs> documentaries left and right. That's right. I bet you that's uh, someplace that you could point yourself. It's great fun talking to you, Julia, and I hope I can talk to you over a Makkali sometime soon. Thank Absolutely. you for coming Absolutely. I'll be always around. Good to talk to you.